You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. As everyone who has lived in the world recently knows, life is freaking hard, and there's so much you can't even prepare for. Things come out of left field, things knock you off your feet, they knock you down. It's hard to see the light sometimes. It gets hard to see the good. It can be isolating, but even more than that, it can be lonely. Okay, wow, Kimmy. This is just going to be the most depressing podcast episode ever, isn't it? My little seven Enneagram heart can't handle all of that. Well, actually, it's supposed to be happy and comforting and uplifting. But that intro did sound a little dire. Are you going to talk about my appetizer? Is this going to be a feeling fiction episode? That's a negative, ghostwriter. Because I want this episode to be... When you're like going through hard times, what is your comfort read? What brings you back to yourself? What makes you happy again when there's so much darkness and sadness and just freaking hard times? What books do you find solace in? Okay, so I can get with that because Stephen King gets me through those times. (laughs) Which is fine. That's cool. I want this to be a personal episode. It will definitely be books that we recommend, but also our choices for what to read that got us through any hard times we've gone through. And if that's prom night murder books, so be it. Is there anything that sparked you wanting to create this type of episode for our listeners? I mean, honestly, it's just so much. I think back of books that I wanted to read on maternity leave and how awesome that was. And I know you had similar books on your maternity leave. You read books on maternity leave. Our books were not at all similar on our (laughs) maternity leave. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Disclaimer. Asterisk. (laughs) In addition to that, with this pandemic, to be honest, I had been burned out on reading before that started and then got my Kindle and completely 100% fell in love with reading again. Even more recently, I faced such uncertainty. There was a major injury that someone in my family was dealing with, and it was so hard and scary, and I was so stressed. Once again, books were there for me. They were my constant companion. Sometimes life is serious and stressful and you need a break. And sometimes you just need pure comfort. So I wanted to talk about those books and give recommendations because everyone is always going through something to some degree. And it's nice to have a book to fall back on. So I'm a lot different from you in this aspect. And reading does not bring me comfort in times of trouble whatsoever. I find it stressful and tend to avoid it. Much like I did during our hiatus. (laughs) So, however, when things for me are status quo, I do read to escape. I talked a few episodes back about Michael Conley's new book, The Dark Hours, and how at the beginning I was beat over the head with COVID and social injustice references. Not to say that those aren't pressing issues, but I don't want to read about that. I want to escape. So you and I look at escaping very differently. Can you tell me what you're looking for? When you want to escape, I know you've mentioned 
I believe, our intro post from this season, Adrenaline Bups. So tell me, explain that for me, and why that helps you. I love thrillers, mysteries, and psychological mess-with-your-mind escapes. I want the adrenaline, maybe not from gruesome murders all the time, but it can come from like a break in the case. It can come from really messed up things that a character did, either morally or physically or whatever it may be. It just doesn't always have to be about killing. But I want a little bit of a dump to get the blood flowing. You know? That sounded weird. (laughs) You're very welcome. (laughs) Gold. Sounded different on paper. (laughs) Well... That's funny. (laughs) We'll we'll get past that. Because besides what you just said, what's absolutely hilarious to me is that you hate adrenaline bursts in real life. If it's induced from a roller coaster or we're up high, anything like that, you hate it. And I love it. And I'm like, yes, let's go upside down with this roller coaster and just hang there. Let's go skydive and hang glide and just be high up and not attached to anything all the time. And drop. And drop very far <laughs> and fast. I love it. On the flip side, like you love that feeling in books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hate that. I don't like that feeling mm-hmm. in books. It's so funny. That's not this game to me. Like if it's high adrenaline in a book, that's not relaxing. It's not an escape. That's just upping my stress levels. <laughs> I do not want my stress levels up. No, thank you. So speaking of roller coasters. Do you remember that one time that we went to Vegas and you sat next to me on the New York, New York roller coaster? I didn't coaster? sit next to you. You, you probably don't remember because your eyes were closed the whole time. Oh, I thought that you sat next to me. I totally remember you sitting next to me. Lindsay sat next to you. Oh, I thought she was in front of us. That was me. Oh. I'm so certain. I maybe will have to ask her. <laughs> maybe she remembers. remembers. <laughs> because all I remember is somebody sat next to me because there's no way I was going on that by myself. But Yeah. You love to tell that story. Of course I do. It's one of my favorite stories. I think I regretted not sitting next to you. <laughs> and I called dibs forever in the future because you were so entertaining. She was just literally, we get up to this one peak where it is trying to build up your tension. And Katie's eyes are sealed shut. Like she can't even tell if it's night or day anymore. Her eyes are like glued. And she's like, is it over? <laughs> And she just laughed at me. This evil, villainous laugh that I've never heard her make until that moment. And I'm just like here for it. I love it. I love it. And she's it. like, nope. And then all of a sudden it drops again and I just start screaming. <laughs> the timing was impeccable. It was. It was. But I have this thing where I just shriek bloody murder on every single roller coaster. And then everybody just laughs at me. Even in Disney. I'm waiting for the time a video of you shows up on like ridiculousness or one of those shows like that. I don't pass out. You screaming. <laughs> ah! Ah! Is it over? You get to go on Tower of Terror this time. I can that we go wait. to Disney. That will make that will make my life complete. I'm not doing it. Yeah, you are. No. Yep. Anyway. Uh, what are you looking for to good escape then? <laughs> I'll ask that without laughing. <coughs> good luck. <laughs> so, moving on. What are you looking for in a good escape in the literary world? Honestly, it's anything that gives me hope in humanity again. And you guys make fun of me for loving sad fiction or sad books. 
but I feel like it's the best way to see how good people can really be. For example, with all the World War II fiction that's been popular for a while now, yes, you see pretty much the worst that humanity can possibly get, but you also see the resiliency and hope and absolute best in society as you're reading these stories of everyone who's absolutely having the worst possible time, how they are going hungry, but still manage to share with those even less fortunate than them, or how their family is quote unquote safe and they risk everything to help those whose society has shunned. And those kind of stories show me that even in the worst of the times, there are still good people. And so for you to read some of those books, maybe the horrors are so big that they outweigh the rest. They're heavy. I get that. It makes it seem like a sad book, but to me, it is the good that so strongly outweighs the bad. And it's powerful to me personally to see that goodness, to see that light, no matter how dark and terrible things get. Okay. So I absolutely love that perspective that you just gave bringing that to the feeling fiction. Yes, we are going to continue that. Do not look at me like that. That is a thing now. Hashtag feeling fiction. Because I don't really think of those books in that light. So for you to turn these sad books into something hopeful and enchanting, instead of focusing on the disparity, which most people, myself included, tend to focus on, is phenomenal. And don't get me wrong. I like that. To me, I do. It does very strongly highlight the good in humanity. But I, I get, on the other hand, they are heavy. And I don't always want that. Sometimes I just need something light and fun and maybe even predictable. But a guaranteed happy ending. Sometimes that is very necessary. <laughs> I get it. Okay, so you mentioned earlier various times when books are needed to get you through. And one of the ones you mentioned was books that we both read on our maternity leave. Remember, Asterix, very different books. But, but books that like changed our life and <laughs> brought us comfort. Yes. But basically, it's books that are good to help during a time of change. Maybe just adjusting to a huge but good life-changing event. Our specific personal example being the maternity leave. But it could be other positives with huge changes like moving away or getting married, stuff like that. So what do you read when it's huge but wonderful but exhausting but perfect but crazy change in your life? You're going to love this, but my answer is definitely a good reread. Okay. Say it again. A good reread. You don't need to reread. See what the I did there? Oh. Yeah. There's something about that time when everything is changing, and it's not necessarily the worst, but it's different. And I just want to be with what's familiar where I already know I love it, and I can get that little touch of nostalgia that I love. What I actually read during my maternity leave was the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants series again. And honestly, I'm missing them. I miss those girls. I'm due for another reread of that. Hold on. How many times have you read that? It's hard to say because... I probably read the earlier ones most. There's five of them now. Uh-huh. Um, and so I probably, I used to do this thing when I was young 
where every time a follow-up book came out in a series, an additional book, I would start the series over to refresh my memory. I do not do that anymore because that gets series burnout. Mm -hmm. And so I probably read the, the earlier books of that way too many times, but the full series of like all five books, maybe three. Oh, I was assuming nothing like, like crazy. Yeah. I was assuming a lot more. I was just curious. So the other one is even Harry Potter. It has been said that Hogwarts would always be there to welcome you home. And there is truth in that. I know you don't ever reread old books. And I still think you should. But it's honestly, it's like meeting up with an old friend and catching up with them. And it's just beautiful because they're just as great as you remember. But you're also reminded of all the things you love and forgot. You notice new things. It just builds that bond and makes it deeper. You find new connections. That's one of the great things about Harry Potter, especially. That entire series is so well thought out and has so many Easter eggs intertwined that it probably, that one I've read more, but not too much, probably like four or five. There was a time in my life I tried to read it yearly, but then I tried to read with my husband and son and that really slowed that down (laughs) so it's been probably four years since i've read that but anyways it took probably like the fourth time and i just finally read it and there's like just so subtle nondescript in a paragraph and like the the, the elf tossed the locket and you're like oh shit that's all i'll say about that because you know no spoilers (coughs) um So yeah, you can see how you've grown and it's like putting on your favorite cardigan. It's so wonderful. (laughs) Who, me? It's wonderful. I can't say enough good things about it. Like, don't reread a meh book. But if you loved a five-star read, freaking reread that shit. When you, I mean, maybe you're in a slump. Maybe you're in just a hard time. Maybe you're avoiding things. Get to something you already know you love. You already know how you feel about it. And be happy again a second time. F that. That's bullshit. That is. Okay. Okay. So you can never travel again to a place you've already been. Well, that's not fair. Okay. It's the same thing. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Let's debate about this in a future episode. Okay. That is a waste of time. (laughs) It's a waste of time. Books are like men. You hit that shit and then you quit that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Yeah, you're right. I don't either. But I heard it somewhere once. But there's a reason I leave my books on my nightstand. If we're going to use that. On my that, one nightstand. On my one nightstand. Excuse Be- because me. Because it's one. One nightstand. I get it. <laughs> I can't believe you made me say this. <laughs> because I'm not going to revisit them ever again. Except for Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. I am rereading that one to my six-year-old son right now. We started the first book after I got him the illustrated version for Christmas. And I have this strong urge to rewatch the movies too. I definitely also just watched the reunion. Sorry, I cheated on you. It's just like a warm and fuzzy blankie. And you're absolutely 110% right with the Easter eggs. Because even in the first book, I'm like, oh my gosh. 
And I was like, I never even put two and two together that that was foreshadowed. Because you don't know to look for it. Exactly. But once you have the full story and you go back, you're like, oh, look at that. Yeah. I will say. So I actually recently wrote a blog post about sharing your favorites with your kids. Go to lostchill.com to read about that. Uh, That is the only way I will reread a book. But we will talk about rereading soon. Those are some strong feelings you have, so we will talk about it soon. But a pin in it. Boop. Pin in. That's an Easter egg, but you apparently have never watched Bolt, which is blasphemous. I have watched Bolt. Oh, you have? Yes. Is it our other friends who we now shun? Like, Lindsay's never watched it, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think she has. Uh, No, I've watched that because... uh, Grace was a big fan of that. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's re- it's super. Did cute. you get that? But it's the agent. He yeah, goes, boop, pin in. I totally forgot about that, but it's it's been years since I've watched it. It's a good one. Now I want to go and watch it. Do it. I bet. Yeah. Has your son watched it? Mm, Did he ever yes. get into it? He likes puppies, right? Yeah, he loves puppies. It's a puppy. Yeah, it is a puppy. He's watched it. I know he has. That came out when my son was born. Who's now a teenager? So Bolt's a teenager. Or Bolt's probably dead. Why? I don't know. When we started this podcast, I said, no dead doggies. <laughs> what sorry. do you do? Bolt is a super dog, so he's also eternal. That's what I meant. Okay. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me what you were reading the last time you welcomed a new human into this world? I was on maternity leave back in the summer of 2015. So it's been a hot minute. <laughs> Uh, Much like you, maternity leave also sparked the return for my love of reading. And I've always been a bookworm, but it's ebbed and flowed based on what's been going on in my adult life. So, Q112263, that book came out in 2012, three years before my last maternity leave. And I would always eye it on our family trips to Barnes & Noble, but never purchased it for a couple of reasons. I never read Stephen King. I did not read Stephen King until 2015. Wow. Put that. That's the beginning of a lot of things. It is. It is. And frankly, the size of 112263, I was very much intimidated by its girth. Oh, my. Apparently, this is the innuendo episode. But since I was on 12 weeks of baby leave, I finally got the guts to take that bad boy home and the rest is history. I don't know why. <laughs> what? I'm laughing because the whole book is history but. yeah yeah <laughs> you like my history i do yeah I'm, i can do this too i don't know why it took me so long to bring myself to read his books but i devoured countless books of his during that 12 weeks and i've shared stories about that before and i just fell in love with his style and his writing after that and now we have guides on stephen king a beginner's guide to stephen king last season i've got you to read several stephen king books um he is, he is my supreme. Wow. I love mm-hmm. that for you. Just kidding. I have enjoyed not all, but some. And there's, more I would I say read. most. Yeah, most. That's true. Billy Summers was like the only one that you didn't like. And I could argue as to why. We did. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Go check out that episode at the end of last season. It was great. <laughs> So let's go straight to some lame parts that we have to talk about because we're talking about going through things and sometimes things are dumb. For example, the pandemic. Tell me 
how your relationship with reading was during the pandemic. Particularly, what I'm going with is when it just started. If you would rather talk about past that, that's fine. Whatever. Well, I was late to the pandemic reading game. I know a lot of people took up reading during the beginning of the pandemic, but I didn't actually start rekindling my love with reading until the end of 2020 during spooky season when our friend Lindsay actually kind of sparked it. She was reading a book called Hex, which was completely unlike her because it was a a horror book. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of good. I should read that too. And so I started reading it and I was hooked back into the reading world. And then I purchased a Kindle, which I literally had zero chill for it to Wasn't arrive. Wasn't that a year after? No. No. It was in 2020. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking it was it was during the holiday season. Yeah, because okay. it was I on. Now. I remember. They now. had, because of the pandemic, they had um, the Amazon, what is it, the Amazon days or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Prime days. It was later than it typically was. And so I bought the Oasis on Prime Day and it took like a month to be delivered. (laughs) And do you remember? I was like, hey, Best Buy has this in stock. I think I'm just going to go. For $100 more. I I was like, I think I'm just going to go buy this. And you were like, no, no, no. And it literally ended up showing up the next day. So thank you for saving me $100. You're welcome. But I was a little bit excited. So... That's you also, I know, you also talked me into purchasing the Kindle I too. Yeah, I was way back and forth with it um, because it, I was so because against e-readers. Because you wanted e-readers. to be a pretentious purist. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm half and half. I only read seven physical books last year out of 138. That's it? Yep. Isn't that crazy? That's weird. But I do buy books multiple times because I'll buy them on the Kindle and then I'll go out and buy Girl. them. Or I do. Libraries. I know. I do tend to get the ARC and then if I like it, I'll go out and buy it. That's wisdomous. Yes. I haven't purchased it multiple times in a while, but at first I was because I like to collect things. Anyway, we're getting off track. Going back to Kimmy or to the other one. Lindsay, <laughs> <laughs> the blonde one. No, she's yeah, not blonde. The curly haired The one. curly one. Um, going back to Lindsay reading the book Hex. Um, I didn't end up liking that book personally, but Lindsay didn't even end up finishing it. <laughs> but it did spark my love for reading again for whatever reason. <laughs> I okay. don't know. Okay. I don't know. Whatever. Life is weird sometimes. I know. So what about you, Boo Bear? You mentioned earlier falling in love with reading again during the pandemic. Let's hear it. To get the full scope of this story, we're going to have to rewind to a few years before the pandemic. You're welcome for the sound effects. Thank you. Yeah. Some of them more like breaks than a rewind, but I guess no one has VCR, so they probably won't know. (laughs) So one time, however many years ago, probably like 2012 or 2015, I don't know, long time ago. I made it a goal to read 100 books in a year, and I did. It was honestly so freaking hard and so much pressure that I put on myself. I felt like I couldn't DNF anything, which if you don't know what that means, that means do not finish. 
and it's hard to power through. Like if you're reading a book you don't like, it really slows you down. Oh yeah. But I also felt like I couldn't lose that time. So I put a lot of pressure on myself that way. I actually uh, read most of the books that year on my iPad working as a 911 operator. And I will say part of the reason I feel I read so many books that year was because of the iPad because I could just prop it up on its stand, be hands-free, take a call, type it up, and then go back to my book without putting it down, bookmark, all and that And you nonsense. were working graves, too, so... No, that was when I was on daytime. Oh, those days. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's even more impressive. That was... Busier. Days 10 to 8, Thursday, oh. Wednesday. No, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. How do you remember that? How do I remember anything? I don't, I don't know. know. Anyways... So it helped, that helped me get through so many. But again, I was forcing myself to finish books I hated. I was sometimes reading absolute garbage. And to be clear, the books I hated are not necessarily the books that are absolute garbage. There's one book I'm really mad about that year called Bone Clocks. Oh, God, I hated that Is that, that by book. Cassandra? No, it's by oh. a dude. I hated it. Maybe it's not called Bone Clocks. Something bony. I don't know. It was weird. I can find it for you later. But I hated that book so much. Wow, she's so very passionate, folks. But then the garbage books were like Gossip Girl. They are nowhere near as good as the show. Not at all. I could get through them quickly. They weren't like bad, like the book I hated, but they weren't good. They weren't even mediocre. They were just meh, easy to get through, like mindless, like watching all these trash reality shows. Like, you know, they're trash, mm-hmm. but you still spend time with them. That's how Gossip Girl was. But I was just doing that because I could get through them quickly. So it burned me out. But not completely. Because I still read 87 books the next year, which is, of course, 13 short of 100. (laughs) And then I went super downhill from there. I went from 87 to 56 to 22 to 12 to 0. That's right. I read zero books in 2019, and that is so unlike me. It (laughs) blows my mind. So then 2020 comes around, and we all know that the world shut down in March of 2020, and that was a struggle for everyone on Earth. And I wanted to do something for me and my birthday, which is in April, so I had a big treat yourself moment and splurged on a Kindle Oasis. I quote-unquote only read 24 books that year which definitely isn't huge in the bookstagram world but it sure is huge compared to zero but i absolutely fell back in love with reading that year was there anything specific that year that helped you fall back in love with reading any specific books why yes (laughs) i'm so glad you asked i started with the last summer by ann brashers she's probably honestly my favorite author of course i already mentioned her with the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I pretty much pick up anything I can find by her. The Last Summer is a story of sisters who live on an island and kind of about the secrets they kept from each other. There was a boy next door that they grew up with as best friends. It was sad. Feeling fiction. It was very much feeling fiction, but I love the characters. It made me think a lot and it got me back on track. The next was When We Believed in Mermaids by Barbara O'Neill. Again, sisters. Sisters was a big theme this year. As I was reading all of these and getting a Kindle, I was pregnant with my second daughter. 
who would be very close in age, like a year and a half apart. I don't have a sister of my own. So it's definitely a specific relationship that was on my mind a lot that I knew nothing about. I wasn't necessarily seeking out these books. It just came up a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's probably why a part of the reason why these books meant so much to me, even though they're kind of like very depressing sister relationships or yeah. whatever. So when we believed in mermaids was an amazing, deep, sad, surprising books about a woman who finds her sister that she thought was dead and how they navigate past all the lies and trauma that, that got them to that point. So I stopped rating books, but I know you've gotten back into it a little. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not the end-all be-all, but I can get that it still means something. Anyways, this book has a 4.19 rating on Goodreads, and I legit rarely ever see it. I don't think I ever did until I started following the hashtag. Like, maybe once and I got excited. I did. Um, I saw it on... I almost actually read this book um, around the same time. Uh, It was on Amazon Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited, she means, but yes. Whatever. Same difference. Don't give me that face. It's the same thing. Kindle is owned by Amazon. That was the year before Bookstagram for me. And again, only 24 books. But... I packed a big punch that year. The books were good. They were full of substance. When I scroll through what I read that year, I would almost recommend more books that I read in 2020 than from all the 138 books I read last year. Beneath a Scarlet Sky by Mark Sullivan is one of my all-time favorite books. I've probably mentioned it on nearly every episode. It's based on the true story of Pino Lella, who is a Italian teenager during World War II and That book is so thought-provoking, feeling-provoking, all the things. I was so moved by that book. And even the afterword, just everything. It broke my heart. But I don't know that a book has ever left me feeling more trusting in the goodness of humanity, despite it all. It got me good. Feeling fiction. It's good. Hashtag feeling fiction. Make it a thing. I also read some popular books that did live up to the hype such as where the crawdads sing the guest list which was not my favorite out of all these i like the feeling fiction more this year the giver of the stars was good the exiles that book got me good as well they were all great i really love next year in havana by chanel cleeton and the grace year the grace year is so good that one i still see frequently on bookstagram i loved it i vote you read that one it's on my tbr I'll get to it. Is it feeling fiction? No. Oh, I thought it was. I don't want to tell you what it's closer to. That's yeah, don't. Not completely. Okay. I don't that's what I thought it was. Because. No, not feeling okay. at all. I just assume with you. Zero feelings. Okay, good. Okay. It's higher on my TBR now. <laughs> so then finally, you know, books like The Secret We Kept, where I don't even necessarily like them, but I can't stop thinking about them. That's like a subgenre for me. It really is. So for I, you, yeah, for me, yeah. There are books where I'm like, eh, no, didn't like it. Six months later, I'm like, oh my god, do you remember that one paragraph in that book? <laughs> wow, wow, mind blowing. Like it should just be its own category of things, and it's not even like they're bad either. They're just not books I want to shout from the rooftop about how good they are. I feel like I don't love them. I don't hate them. They're they're good great 
Glad I read them. But then I can't stop thinking about them. <laughs> Ever. So that, that book for me in 2020 was Universe of Two by Stephen P. Kiernan. It was about the relationship of a woman with a man who was basically responsible for getting the science just right for the building of the atomic bomb. And I think of that book a lot and so many concepts and theories from that book. It also has one of my all-time favorite lines because it strikes a chord with me personally. And that is, all I know is I want my husband home and a chance to have a future with him. That's my definition of victory. Q tears. You want a tissue? Hashtag feeling fiction. All right. <laughs> Slash his fic. I don't know why I felt the need to add that. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Anyway. So. <coughs> I'm just coming up with hashtags over here. Thank you for your You're service. You're welcome. Just because, you know, like I said at the beginning, I don't really turn to books, surprisingly, during times of need. You should try it. So I just am going to ch- contribute hashtags to the conversation tonight. Again, thank you for your service. You are so welcome. So enough of your hashtagging and my ooey gooey gushing. What are some of your favorite pandemic reads? Okay, so I have to wholeheartedly agree with you about the quality of books that I read in 2020. Because I read, so I read Hex, which I already said I didn't like. And I got my Kindle around September, October, somewhere around there. And I ended up reading like 19 books, which was a lot. Way to catch up with me. Yeah. In like three months. And so that was a lot for me. One of the best books that I read that year that I still talk about too is a man called, I believe you say it, Oove. O-V-E. Oove. Oove. I believe it's Oove by Frederick Bachman. I just found out tonight before I came over here, Tom Hanks is going to play him. And I'm already crying. I really am. Because (laughs) that book, I remember thinking that this is the first book that has ever made me sob. Like, actually sob. Like, (laughs) ugly noises, not dripping down my face. It was terrible. It was wonderfully terrible. Oh, I know. I know the feeling. (laughs) I haven't read that one, though. Uh... So then I also read Crawdads, and that year I fell in love with my queen, Chris and Hannah. Do you need a tissue? Yeah. I'm just talking about my appetizer. It's fine. I read the... the napkin? (laughs) Sorry, go on. Sorry. As long as it's cloth, okay? I need it to be absorbent. I read The Great Alone, and I was absolutely mesmerized by the way that she painted the setting for that book in Alaska along with such a difficult story. I still love that book so much. I still talk about it a lot. I also read The Nightingale at your suggestion as well. And The Great Alone was also a free book on Kindle Unlimited. And then you told me to read that. So I was like, cool, score. Here it is. Let's do this. Yeah. That's cool. And and you also said it twice. I did. That was fun. It was was a lot of fun. (laughs) I was uh, rearing children while writing this. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, I also read my first TJR book that year, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And 
2020 was honestly just a year of great books. There's a lot of books that I read that year that I still recommend to a lot of people. It was a good year for books and Taylor Swift fans. Okay. We got folklore (laughs) and evermore. Okay. Top that. Loverfest was canceled. I'm sorry. I had to bring you down a peg. So in one of my recent reads, I can't remember which one. And I can't remember the word, but one of the lines was like, and the definition was like, when you so desperately miss something that never was and never can be, I highlight it and put in my notes because you can type notes on Kindles. Loverfest. <laughs> but at least we got two albums. We're never going to get two albums in one year from her again unless they're re-releases. You know that, right? I'm sorry. We will never I would like, like we to remind in. you this is a book podcast. Oh, but I do have a funny story for our listeners. So I mentioned... <laughs> you know where I'm going. I mentioned a couple episodes back that Kimmy went viral on TikTok. Uh, you should definitely go check out that video if you want to see um, Taylor Swift. My name Swift. on TikTok is Dracula Taylor Swift. So last night I'm talking to my hairstylist, Jen, about this because she is a huge Taylor Swift fan as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, like... My friend Kimmy went viral on TikTok for her Taylor Swift theories, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, oh, I totally want to see it. I pull it up. She had already seen it. Amazing. I'm so It was hilarious. And I was like, I can't believe this. She's had one million views on it. It's basically the whole world. Basically. It's fine. fine. I need to do more because I have, like, I make the connections. Like, I know how her mind works and I do things. I just haven't been able to. I need to. I need to. I need to get back into it and keep my fans happy. Okay. Anyways. You must not disappoint your fans. I mustn't. Mustn't. So real talk. While this whole episode is truly a great concept altogether, and we've talked about great books that have gotten us through all these difficult and changing times, you just went through some really hard shit. Shit I don't even want to imagine, and you never stopped reading. Tell me what books you read during one of the most difficult times in your life. Four specific books come to mind. First and foremost, I really just needed a break mentally. I needed something to distract me. I needed to just be happy, get a happy ending, all that good stuff. So the first book that got me through was The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Oh my God. I love that book. You know what? Let's just dedicate a whole episode to it. Yeah, we probably should. It's a great idea. Next episode? Two weeks from now? Yeah, next episode. (laughs) Two weeks from now. That sounds like a great time. Boom. That was easy. We keep making episode plans in episodes. It's fantastic. It's a hoot. It's a hoot and a half. So in that case, I will save the rest of my thoughts for that. Read it. Be happy with us. The next one that surprised me, actually, was These Precious Days by Anne Pachette. I got this one as a physical arc. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised, and I was like, well, I have it. It was one of the seven physical books you read. It was. It was. And another thing we had mentioned last year at some point, I think during the Stephen King episode, if I wanted to try short stories, mm-hmm. 
essays aren't quite short stories. They're more memoir-y, I guess. I don't know. Or, or they could be whatever. They're different. They're not short stories. But it was similar. Back to the author, though, if you recall, I actually listened to The Dutch House by Anne Pachette earlier this year, and I thought I didn't like it. But it was one of those books. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I cannot stop thinking about, ever, ever. So I may have to change my mind on it. I think I do like it now. It was the one that was narrated by Tom Hanks. Yeah. Apparently you're a fan of that guy. He is a national treasure. Don't get me started. I hope you donated to some shelters for our other national treasure that we just recently lost. Betty White. Go rescue a dog, everyone. Or a cat. Yeah, whatever you fancy. An animal. So These Precious Days is a collection of essays (laughs) by Anne Pachette. I really enjoyed reading during this time that I was struggling because I could just read small chunks for the essays, kind of like those short stories. So it was very easy mm-hmm. to get through. And I felt like I was inside of her brain. They were so poignant and moving. Fun fact, she owns a bookstore. Really? In addition to her writing books, that was awesome to hear about because, you know, it's a dream of ours. Mm-hmm. Another fun thing about reading nonfiction from authors of novels is that you get a lot of backstories. I am so into that. And so she even told the stories of how she ended up getting Tom Hanks to narrate The Dutch House and that whole backstory, which spanned many essays. It's actually quite fascinating. And Tom Hanks was a very small part of it. Whatever. I love hearing what leads up to the stories. Going back, one of my favorite Nicholas Sparks book is three weeks with my brother and it is nonfiction memoirs because at that point, whatever, don't judge me. I had read every Nicholas Sparks book. And so it was awesome to see where he had gotten so much inspiration from and to also be like, Oh, that part of his story made me freaking cry so hard and to figure out it actually legit happened in life with his son. It was incredible. So that was awesome. The whole book is just full of so many facets of her life from the bookstore owning to the art of writing to behind the scenes of novels, audiobooks, all that. It was just awesome. Like, I want to be her friend. And she actually reminds me of my hairdresser, (laughs) who I love. So, yeah, big fan now. I think it's funny that we both brought up our hairdressers this episode. (laughs) That's so fresh. It is. Love you guys. Yeah. The next book that I loved during this time was The Light of Luna Park by Addison Armstrong. This one goes with something that I posted about on Bookstagram recently, and that's just reading what you love. Very important. As you know, I love all things pertaining to babies, and this was basically a novel surrounding the start of incubators for premature babies. I think that is absolutely incredible technology that we take for granted. It's pretty amazing to think about the viability of babies these days being born months premature. And I don't think anyone really thinks too much about how we got to have life-saving equipment like this. I think it's set in the 20s, 
but absolutely nothing was done to save premature babies at all, which is really devastating. It was kind of like, well, your baby came early. It's all part of God's plan. Sucks, but here we are. And no life-saving measures like enjoy your few hours you have and that's it kind of thing. But there was a freaking sideshow on Coney Island that would take these premature babies in incubators. And there was a real doctor who ran it. And the way it was portrayed, I need to look... Like, this really happened. I need to look up all the details, but how it was portrayed in this book is that, like, it was a hospital, like, that functioned and was able to intake patients. The doctor was real, all of that. But, you know, like, when you go to a hospital now and you can, like, look through the mirror, well, not really now anymore. They keep them in. But, like, if you watch Friends, Chandler is going to point out his babies or Ross is looking at all his babies, whatever. (laughs) They look through a window and just see them all lined up in a row. And basically, that's how it was. And they were so small and tiny, like people could pay a nickel to go look at these premature babies. So they were... Why would anybody want to do that? Why would anyone want to say most of the freak show type things? Very true. But anyways, that's how it was portrayed in there, in the book. So, of course, the surrounding hospitals and areas just completely wrote off Coney Island and the doctor who ran it didn't take it seriously at all since it was an attraction on a theme park. The wild thing about it, though, like, this happened. Mm-hmm. This is a branch of historical fiction that's pretty much completely overlooked. It's an unbelievable piece of true history. That's the kind of book it is. It takes this piece of history and creates a, a fictional story mm-hmm. about it. So the main characters aren't real. The doctor is real who ran it and the place she goes to. And it covers more than just premature babies. It also goes a dual timeline and even goes into the beginning of special education and schools and stuff. So that was interesting. It just has depth and complexity. And then there are great intentional parallels with the actual history and makes you question some things like if one really incredible deed can outweigh the bad ones and just examines the complexity and layers of human choices. I actually added this to my... Oh, did you? I did. did. Uh, It does sound good. Yeah, it was powerful. I hope you read it. I loved it. You probably won't love it as much as me because you don't like it as much as me, but I do think you'll think it's interesting. I just think the whole concept of people gawking at tiny little babies is interesting because it's like i don't i don't see how anybody would look at that situation and be like you know what i can do i can profit off of this it's just odd to me so i I think i would like to i don't even remember if it was mentioned in the book but i don't know if that's how they helps raise money for research and to pay for nurses because he wasn't alone i don't know necessarily if that's what had to do with it but I mean, that sounds strange to you. What sounds more strange to me is a baby being born and being alive and the doctors being like, that sucks, not going to live. Deuces. That happened to my grandma. That blows my mind even more. Yeah. So that is what blows my mind to like not even try. And that was in the 50s. Right. Or probably 40s because he was born before my mom was. So 
late 40s that's when that happened like that's 20 years after this book is set and that shit was still going on i mean there's been a lot of medical advances obviously in the last 100 years i want to read some maybe nonfiction about it just because it does blow my mind like the incubators that they have premature babies in and just everything they have is so commonplace nowadays like the babies they're able to save is mind-blowing and amazing and incredible. Yeah. And to think it like started out on Coney Island and that doctors didn't trust it is yeah. crazy. And like how hard people had to fight to get people to care about babies born early and to realize they had a chance and were worth fighting for yeah. and looking into this technology, it blows my mind. So, I love the author. <laughs> love it. <laughs> we have an arc by her waiting called The War Librarian. Yeah. I mean, I personally would love to have a chat with her, even though I already embarrassed myself <laughs> with her on Instagram. Yeah, didn't you, like, message her or something? Yeah, she commented on something, <laughs> and I messaged her back. Because, like... Why is that even an option? Like, I just want to, I want to reply a comment with another comment. Like, why is sending a message even an option? It felt so awkward. I think they've actually, I I could be wrong on this, but I haven't seen that option in a while. So I think there were a lot of people who were doing. It's dumb. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Just let me respond. Just know I didn't mean to message you my reply to the comment and I was humiliated. She probably didn't even give two shits, uh, but it's one of those cringeworthy things that you're like, I'm going to think about this at 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whatever. Whatever. Yeah. But if I haven't already exhausted too much of your time, I will say I have one more that got me through. Okay. Wish You Were Here by Jody Picot. I actually posted a glowing review on Bookstagram in January. I got a lot of interesting responses from people who don't like this book or just don't like her books anymore. This is one of the few times I posted a review months after reading a book. So I started to doubt myself. And I was like, maybe I didn't remember this correctly. And like my thoughts are all skewed. And I, I don't know. Does that I get happen? it. Like, yeah, it happens to me like, on the Oh, head. I'm the only one who thought this? Like, well, because, yeah, wrong? it makes you second guess when you're against the the popular opinion. Which is weird for me, because usually I don't. Four wins. I hate that book. God, I so aggressive. I go crazy. I, okay. <laughs> usually I don't care, and I'm like, yeah, y'all crazy. But this book, I was like, oh, oh, dear. Is it just me? So anyways, I went back. I looked over the quotes that I highlighted in this book and it reminded me that I really did love it and why I loved it. And here I will give my disclaimer because this is also the one that is most closely tied to my feelings with all the traumatic incidents I was going through at the time. And it probably made me love it more. Basically, it is very COVID related and pandemic heavy. However, as I was reading it, I kind of mentally took out the COVID part in my mind and was just looking at the story through the lens of sometimes terrible things can happen to your body, be it sickness or injury, and you don't have much control over that. And what you can do is focus on your perspective. 
there was this one part where a doctor was talking about how patients always ask if they would be able to do everything they used to do before the surgery. And the doctor would say, well, technically, yes, but there's a scar, not only a physical scar, but a mental one as well, where you now know you're not invincible and you can't help be changed by having like such a close brush with that kind of thing. So obviously that was something I related to very strongly. There were lots of the main character as she was experiencing these things, just trying to make sense of what happened to her and figuring out like why it happened to her, getting all the details of how it happened to her. And she had to come to the conclusion of those kind of details about it did not matter. What was important was learning from it, choosing whether to be bitter or not. What's important is being around the ones you love and just how to come to terms when the unthinkable happens and so much is beyond your control. So I think my brain looked past all the COVID stuff and just looked at the mentality the main character had and how she processed it all. And it was meaningful to me where I was in my life. I think if I had read this book before the accident, I wouldn't have liked it as much. And that's hard to say. Like, who can truly know? Sure. Maybe I still would have loved her mentality. I don't know. I think maybe I read it exactly when I was meant to read it. And sometimes I think the books you need have a way of finding you at just the right time. And that was this book for me. Well, that's fantastic. Um, You read it after? Yeah, after. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Did you know what it was about prior? I knew it was COVID related. Uh Uh-huh. That's basically all I knew about it going in. And you still wanted to read it? Meh. I I had read some good reviews, so that's another reason why I was like surprised by some of the comments I was yeah. getting. But I had read reviews that were positive, and they were like, "Yeah, it's about COVID, but give it a chance. It's still really good." And so I was like, "All right, I'll give it a chance, whatever." And I thought that I could either just do not finish it, or yeah, be angry. I don't know. I don't know. Um. I I already briefly talked about it at the beginning of this episode. I just am personally completely turned off by anything regarding COVID because I'm just so burnt out with COVID and masks and vaccines and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just mentally done. And when I want to read, I don't want to be hit over the head with that. And it's so hard um, because I feel like authors are trying to make that connection to the real world to make that um, seem a little bit more plausible and real and, and just be able to connect with their readers. But I think it's turning a lot of readers off, unfortunately. I could totally see that. And that's why I think maybe I wouldn't have liked it if I wasn't going through what I was going through. Mm-hmm. It was very COVID heavy, but I was able to like turn that off in my brain. Yeah. I absolutely think that that, book was meant to find you during that period then yeah um yeah i mean there that's a prime example of just reading for comfort and you weren't seeking that book out for its healing powers there but it definitely came to you when you needed it so that's pretty cool yeah so that's why i enjoyed it so much i think so whatever i stand by my glowing review I'm a little scared to read some of her other books that have been on my TBR lately. Yeah, I mean... But I hear... But 
I hear very, very strongly opinionated mixed reviews. Like, she's a very polarizing author, and she always has been. I feel like some of her later stuff is almost even more so. In that, like, if, like I guess people would say her earlier books are, are controversial. But from what I read on the reviews, I would say they're more actually polarizing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that I mean, like, basically, politics, morals, whatever spectrum you want to apply, I think people across all sides like the earlier ones, no matter how they view a topic. Mm-hmm. When some of the later ones are more polarizing and people think, like, oh, she's pushing her opinion too much, and other people are like, oh, I love it, and I think she talked about it in a really great way, and so it's much more divided as opposed to her earlier ones are like, yeah, this is controversial, but she displays all sides very well. Yeah. No, I totally get that because I can see how people would think that because no matter whatever topic you're talking about, you can go out and seek the information that you want to learn about, I guess, so to speak. Um, And when you find somebody that who shares that knowledge with you and it's views that you agree with, you're like, oh yeah, That's exactly right. But if you find that same knowledge, but it's skewed views or different views than what you agree with, then you're like, oh, that's bullshit. And I don't like that. And so I totally get that, that it's just this tug of war. And there's so many issues right now that... And I think maybe she was going controversial, but foreign like some of her earlier books are about um brittle bone syndrome Mm -hmm. which most people don't know much about Um, my sister's keeper a huge one about uh the child who has cancer and so they basically create her little sister to be her exact match donor yeah and it discusses the ethics of that that makes people think but it's not something that is that common and hits close to home or is it a hot button You know, like brittle bone syndrome is not a hot topic where you have to have an opinion on it as opposed to And some of these later ones that I hear completely opposite mixed reviews that are very polarizing are about like abortion and racial things and very hot buttons. So I think that could be why, how it was like, oh, that's interesting and you make good points and I could see how it's happened, but I can't really truly relate to it Yeah, versus like... This is what we're all experiencing right now. And yes. you're writing about it. And I have my own very strong opinion. Yes. On it. And yes, you're going to absolutely get more of a hot and cold review section than you would on brittle bone syndrome. For sure. Yeah. I know you've also had harder times than what we've mentioned previously. Are there any books that got you through some of those times? No, not unless you want to count my pandemic reads um i've always been more prone to tv during times of trouble i'm not sure why i tend to sleep a lot when faced with stressful challenges like that i get super introspective and i just retreat inwards is basically how i describe it and i just shut down and so i just disassociate and fall asleep in front of TV. That's like my coping mechanism. I know it's super unhealthy. Trust me, I'm working on it. Okay. Uh, Sleep and TV. It's just especially true when I come across like a death 
I shouldn't say come across. That sounds silly. But when a death occurs to somebody that's close to me, um, I specifically remember when my grandma died, I would just watch TV and fall asleep for like a week afterwards. That was just my life. And I'm sorry I'm being a Debbie Downer. Uh, So let's not end this on a sad note. Say something happy. I'm thankful for books. Same. (laughs) Oh, that was fun. Well... I feel like we learned a lot about each other and gave some excellent, excellent book recommendations. You did. You gave <laughs> no, some excellent books. No, you gave books. good ones. I, I felt useless in this episode. Uh, no. Just because just you had wonderful points and this was a fanta- fantastic <laughs> episode because of what you brought to the table. But I, I just, because I disassociate and cope unhealthily. <laughs> It's fine. No, I get it. It's and fine. Everything's it's fine. It's funny. Like, like, I love the differences in people. I really do. Like, yeah. it's just interesting. So it's like crazy to me to think you could sleep during these times. Because honestly, when I'm super stressed, I get like restless. Like, I cannot sit with my thoughts or my feelings. Like, I need to do something. And so like, you shut down and like zone out in your TVs. But yep. I need to like zone out in a different way and be busy and do stuff and like i just go like like a hummingbird yeah see and i'm obviously different with the different situations because it's like well when you had your issues when we were gone like i immediately came to you because i was like i need to be there and it was but if if that was like something else like where it was like my emergency i would be like no, I'm just going to go take a nap real quick. It's different. So it's different because, yes, like I wanted to be there and I wanted to help and all of those things. But at the same time, it wasn't directly affecting me. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't my family oh, per I se. I not have slept. So I was like, time you, to sleep. Like... I could not have slept. I was busy. I had my kids and like just a lot going on. But if you would have like been like, all right, I got the kids. Go take a nap. I would not have been able to if you paid me. Yeah. And, you know, everybody handles stress differently. But when it's like super, especially super sad and I've been crying a lot, my body is just exhausted and all I do is just sleep. Ugh, that happens to me after therapy. Yes. I yes. It's that same feeling. To nap after therapy. It is that exact same feeling of just being so physically drained oh. that you need to recharge. Ooh, I can't imagine if that happened like during other times. Of it's, stress. it's actually, I it's, don't like it after therapy. I'm like, I got stuff to do. I, I don't like it either. Like I, it's just my body's reaction yeah. to it and just how I cope. And it drives my husband crazy. I will tell you that much. There was a time where he was going through something. He lost somebody in his life and I was trying to be comforting and just everything. We were laying in bed and just, he was basically pouring his heart out to me and I just fell asleep and I felt terrible. (laughs) I felt so terrible. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is just this is just what happens to me wow and i just that's fascinating you should probably be tested for narcolepsy or something <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I the the way that I can fall asleep is absolutely ridiculous anyway, but throw in stress and wow. Yeah. So I think that's why I nap so well. <laughs> Cuz you're just a little ball of stress all the time. Mm, no, I'm a 7. I'm pretty chill. Oh, okay. But when I do get stressed, like it, I you know, I amp it up. Yeah. 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 Fun times. Fun times. Yeah. Look at you guys. Yeah. Knowing us better. So yeah. That's us. That's we, us. How we deal with life. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our therapy session. <laughs> so fun. Read our books that we told you to. Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of the Lost Chill Podcast. Please help our podcast to reach more listeners by subscribing and leaving a review. We read every single one together and jump up and down screaming with glee every single time. So you know we just truly appreciate it. And that is a true story, folks. (laughs) It's very true. If you can't get enough of the Lost Chill podcast, check out our website, thelostchill.com, for blog posts and more fun. Also, consider becoming a Patreon supporter for exclusive content and swag. We are constantly improving and growing our offerings, so be sure to check back often. If it's additional reviews and cute puppies that you're after, follow us on Instagram at Katie's Lost Chill and at Kimmy's Lost Chill. Follow The Lost Chill as well to get all of the latest information on upcoming books to be featured, upcoming author chats, giveaways, and so much more. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Bye.